This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Do you feel sufficiently smooth jazzed this morning? Yes. This is Carmen did this bumper really good because we're all stressed at Christmas. And this really just makes you feel like it's not December 4th, 4th today. Uh, we we want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, Advent a little bit over the next, well, not a little bit. It's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, everyone. Welcome to church during December. Um, but today, I, I really want to talk, and over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about how easy it is to miss Christmas. Have any of you ever had this like you've thought to yourself, this Christmas, I'm going to be really present during Advent. Mm-hmm. Some of us um, in September, um, I, I have a sister-in-law who is like uh, a prepared person. By a prepared person, I mean this. She does all of her Christmas shopping in August. And then she calls me and says, so how's your Christmas shopping going? On August 31st, because she's, but I, every year since I've been married to Dave, which is decades now, I've thought, you know, this year is going to be my year. I'm going to be really present. I did a funny little thing with my kids. Always we did Advent presents, which was really amazing when we had one child. <gasps> when he got four, though, that becomes a large trip to the dollar store. No one knew you could spend $100 at the dollar store. You can. You can. So every year I think this is going to be the year that I'm like focused so that when we come into December 1st, can I get a little bit less on my mic? Um, When we come into December 1st, we're feeling uh, ready. But how many of you have ever had the problem happen that all of us, you planned on that, but then all of a sudden it's December 24th. And you haven't had any moments of like, you, you envisioned yourself sitting by the Christmas tree Spending time focusing on the Lord. And it's now December 24th, and you're running around at the mall. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, so I, I, I want us to talk about that this year, because I actually think that the Advent story in Scripture talks to us about this, that we can be part of Advent and we can miss it. And today I, I want to talk about distraction, partly because it's something that I deal with. And uh, I know that it's something that all of us struggle with. If you ever had a Saturday, a little while ago, I had a Saturday um, afternoon where I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wash my car. Um, because in Calgary, we have about 10 and a half months of winter. Okay, I'm joking. It's only nine months. <laughs> and, you know, you can go. I, oh, so I think I'm going to do, I'm going to do Dave. I'm going to just serve him. His love language is service. So I'm going to go wash the car. So I'm fussing kind of in the kitchen, and I go to get the keys to um, take out the car, but as I'm getting the keys uh, on my desk, I realize that on my desk, uh, there is somebody has, one of my children has lovingly gone and got the mail, and there's a whole bunch of mail. So I I put the keys down for a minute, and then I start to sort through the mail, because you're sorting through the 99% of junk mail, and then the other 1% are bills that you didn't know you had. And, um, but then I think, okay, well, while I'm here uh, with these mail, what I'm, what I'm going to do is put the junk mail away. I'm going to put it in the recycling bin. But then I look down in the recycling bin, and what I find is that the recycling bin is overflowing. 
because apparently we recycle a lot in our house. So I think to myself, I put the bills down for a second and I think I've got to take the trash out, the, the recycling bin, I'm going to take that out. And so then I go to take it out and um, what happens is, is I, I think for a moment, but before I take it out, what I should probably do, because I'm about to go out and wash the car, what I should probably do is that bill that's not on automatic payment, I should probably, probably try, to, try to pay the bill because that's what adults do. So I put the trash can beside me, I go to pay the bill, um, but then as I, because you know, if you, now listen, this part of the talk you won't understand if you're under 40, but I'm looking for a check. My checkbook. I'm sorry if you're a young adult here. I will explain to you after the service what a checkbook is. But anyways, as I take out my checkbook with the, you see what's happening here, I realize that I only had one check left, so I should probably go into my drawer and find the checkbook. Um, and, but then as I'm doing that, um, I go to my desk, because I was on Dave's desk before, and I realized that there is, um, and I'm also going to, I'm going to, go on my computer to reconcile the books because you can't just pay for a thing and then Dave won't know and he'll double pay and then I was just thinking my... So I go to open up my computer and to get a new check but I realize that there's a Coke sitting on, on my desk and it's a warm Coke. It's going to be warm and there's nothing that makes a mother more angry than someone who opens up a pop. Can I hear an amen? And then they don't drink it. And then you think to yourself, that pop, that case of pop cost us $14. And now it's inflation, so it's probably $17. And each of those pop costs $3.95. And you're gonna let it get warm. You are not gonna let it get warm. Not on my time. We are stewarding God's money. And also, I have an irrational fear of a pop going on my laptop. Does anybody else have this irrational fear? Like somehow your hands are gonna become ninja hands and like. All of a sudden, unwilling, the pop's going to, so I think to myself, you know what I have to go do? I need to go put this pop in the fridge. So then I go put the pop in the fridge, and as I'm going on my way to the fridge, I see that there's flowers that Dave has bought me. Fellows, if you want to have one way to make your wife happy, buy her flowers, even from Costco, 19.95. Inflation hasn't touched them. They don't live very long, but doesn't matter. It's the thought that counts. But anyways, my flowers are getting dry. So on my way to put the Coke in the fridge, I realize I have to stop because now I need to water the flowers. And then when I set the Coke down to water the flowers, what I realized is that I found my glasses. That now, if you know me, this is not weird. I, I have to have multiple pairs of glasses around my house. As you can see today, I can't see any of you. I'm sure you look beautiful, but I can't see you. Because I didn't know where my glasses were this morning. <laughs> but I did find my glasses, which was great joy, joy to me. I felt joyful about it. I thought I better put those in a place where I don't forget them, which is clearly what I did before, but I didn't know. So I pick up the glasses, and I go to put them back on my desk where I was. And then I realize um, that I couldn't remember what I was going to do in the first place. And I came to the end of the day, and you can look at my car today. It is not washed. The flowers did not get water in them. The Coke stayed warm on my counter. I did not end up paying the bills. The trash was still overflowing. And at the end of the day, not remembering what I was going to do, I thought, you know what I'm just going to do? Check email. 
because we all know that's such a good time, time focused. Okay. So now probably all of us have had days like this. Yes, you've had a day like this where you just think you run around and you sweat and you have ideas, but you do none of them because all you think of is all the ideas that you have to do and where we become highly distracted. I became distracted by everything in my house and this is sort of a picture of Christmas if we're not careful. In some ways, this story mirrors the nativity story that happened thousands of years ago. In some ways, this is the story of Christmas. You see, historically, as an entire population, all of Israel was waiting for the Messiah to come. Historically, we, um, we understand that there is the Old Testament, and that's where uh, there was a, a lot of laws. And they, they were, but in the Old Testament, the people were waiting. They were longing for this Messiah to come and save them. Then we have the New Testament where Jesus came. In the intertestamental period, though, there's about a bunch of hundreds of years where God was kind of quiet. And the people became discouraged because they thought, is God, is this Messiah ever coming? Isaiah 42 in the Old Testament um, sort of just captures this longing in a really good way. Prophet says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not falter or be, a, or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. This scripture was the scripture that the people of Israel were, one of the scriptures, there's hundreds of them we could have read today, but the people of Israel were longing for someone to come and save them. They were longing for a Messiah. And particularly in the time that Jesus was born, just before Jesus was born, Israel was under Roman occupation. And if you know anything about history, you'll know that Roman occupation was not something that anybody was signing up for. No one was like, you know what, we really want to be is occupied by Rome. It's going to be amazing. No, they were under oppression. The people were under major oppression. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about Herod and historically what kind of character he was and how that really put pressure on the people of Israel. But imagine your whole life, you've been told that, you know, things are bad, but they're going to get better because the Messiah is coming. Things are bad, but they're going to get better because, because we're going to, because God's going to send someone to save us. And this is the focus of Israel. In fact, historically, we know that sex rose up, different sects of Israelites rose up. Uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zionists rose up at this time and said, you know, we're going to hasten that we're going to make the Messiah come. We're going to make rules. And maybe if God sees us following all these rules and and being really holy, that somehow the Messiah will come. Humans have always been the same. We try to, like, make things happen when things aren't happening. Oftentimes, when we read the New Testament, we think of the Pharisees as being people who persecuted Jesus. And at some level, they were. But really, we have to see them as people like you and I. People who are under pressure and saying, God, would you come and rescue us? God, would you come and make, like, but what's so ironic is that the thing that they were most focused on 
They were distracted. Distracted. See, the apocalyptic Messiah of Jewish thought was the symbol of the hope of the oppressed Jews who looked forward, and the Jews looked forward to a transformation of their repressed conditions into an eschatological reality of righteousness. Okay, so basically what they were saying is, this is the worst. We are looking forward to a Messiah. But have you ever wondered why when Jesus came, was nobody paying attention? The question becomes, why? Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, gives us this really interesting picture. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In some versions, it says there was no room for them in the inn. Okay. So imagine if you were the innkeeper. Clearly, you missed your moment. Now, the, the scripture says nothing about it actually doesn't talk to us about the innkeeper. Um, but we can assume, there's some things that we are safe to assume, that there was an innkeeper, because that's how inns work. Uh, and there was no room. He somehow had some discussion with Mary and Joseph. And, you know, if you're a motel owner, you kind of understand this. Someone comes really pregnant, looking like they're in the throes of giving birth. All of my medical people here today. Now, this is not a quiet or a gentle, or even a clean experience. <laughs> if you're running an inn, you know what you're thinking? Hmm. I don't want to clean up this mess. You can be out in the stable. So for whatever reason, the innkeeper um, just I don't know, he didn't think it was good for business, maybe he just genuinely didn't have room. But. Whatever his motives, he missed out on the miraculous entrance of God in human form. Now, if, if the innkeeper was the only person who missed out, we could just blame it on a workaholic innkeeper. And the message, the moral message could be, don't work too hard. But this wasn't the case. Um, in fact, the innkeeper sort of symbolizes just about everybody when Jesus was born. People miss the fact that the long... So listen, they're focused on the Messiah. We need the Messiah. We want the Messiah. Please, God, send us a Messiah. And then the Messiah comes and we're all like, ah. Spaced out. It was probably the thing, like if you were to ask a Jewish person in first century, what's the most important thing theologically that you think? It was probably the thing that they would say is the most important thing the Messiah coming, and yet they missed him. Isn't this kind of true of us, too? Like, I read a study last week that said that we often will say that things, certain things are really important to us. Like, so when you ask um, a, a young mom, what's really important to you? 
family. My family is really important to me. But then when you parse it out in their actual week, you know what actually is more important? In truth, Instagram. Now, nobody would admit that. Just our time tells us that. You, t you ask the people of Israel, what was the most important thing? The Messiah coming. And yet they miss him. But not everybody... Um, What's amazing about the Advent story is that even though most people missed out, not everybody did. I want to just for a moment look at the people that didn't miss the birth of Jesus. People who weren't distracted. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 tells us the story of the shepherds. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So in the midst of no one else, no one else noticing the long-awaited Messiah, a bunch of shepherds heard the message. And shepherds were the least likely. I mean, they were like anti-influencers. Are the shepherds doing it? No, I'm not doing it. Um, my question becomes to us, why didn't the shepherds make their announcement to people that were like, had positioned their whole life about this waiting? Like, it wasn't like all the people were terrible. I know sometimes when we read the scripture, we think, well, the Pharisees were just angry, so of course. No, they had positioned their whole lives waiting for the Messiah. Why, why didn't God come to them? Maybe it was because um, their personal lives were so busy and self-important that they never would have heard the message of the angels anyways. Maybe it was because um, these individuals were so distracted by their own political expectations. Because we know from history that what they expected was a priestly king, a king, who, a warrior king, who would come and overthrow Rome and would make them free. Maybe it was because they were so distracted by the oppression they were under that they couldn't see God's provision and rescue. Sometimes, listen, when we've had massive trauma happen to us, or even we talked about this a few weeks ago, these little traumas that are kind of like paper cuts. You ever, had a, you ever had a paper cut before at work? And you're kind of embarrassed by your paper cut because it's all you can think about. Has anybody ever had this happen to you? 
oh, it's the worst when you get a paper cut and then like you're supposed to be like being productive, but all you can think of is, oh, my paper cut hand hurts so much, but you don't want to tell anybody, but you do anyways because you can't help it because the paper cut hurts so bad. This is sort of how we are as humans. Sometimes when we've had little traumas and big traumas, it keeps us from really focusing on what the Lord uh, is doing. The truth is, my own propensity to distraction can keep me from really focusing on the real meaning of Christmas and life. Distraction is a funny thing, though, because in the short term, being distracted doesn't really make that big of a difference. Like, nobody who is distracted for a day or a week, nobody's going to put a billboard out and say, hey, listen, this person was distracted. We should all think less of them. But it's over the long period of time that distraction becomes a real problem. Um, We don't want to live a life of perpetual distraction because in the end we will miss out on the really important parts of our life. You see, distraction leads always to disillusionment. If we're perpetually distracted, life will cease to make sense. If every day is like the day I dis- the Saturday I described to you, life stops making sense. I think distraction is one of the reasons we have so many people dealing with depression and, ex- and anxiety in our world. Because if every single day we're just distracted, Like, you can do that for a few days, but then at the end of a week, when all you've been is distracted, and we've all, listen, this is no judgment, we've all had weeks like this, but if every single day we're distracted, I mean, at some point, your body, your brain is going to go, this is, this makes no sense at all. I cannot do this anymore. And our world has got us on these hamster wheels that keeps us distracted at all times so we can never focus. So we go from December 1st to December 24th and we think, I don't know what happened at the time. Do you know what happened at the time? I don't know what happened at the time, but I did watch some house and garden show. And I'm considering doing a renovation. How many of you have been considering doing a renovation for like decades now? (laughs) And then we call out to God, like, God, why aren't you helping me with my depression? Like, God, where are you? I thought you came. I thought Advent was about you coming so that I, I, I could live free. But maybe we're not asking about the right things. Maybe we should be coming back to the Advent story and saying, God, I want to be focused. Because while distraction leads to disillusionment, Focus leads to flourishing. And this is true of every part of our life, but particularly our spiritual lives. When we get focused on the things of God, when we actually begin to say, God, would you help me to focus? It leads to growth. So this morning, I I want us to get really practical because I believe that the, the Bible calls us to get practical. And as a church, we want to be practical. We want to be a church that actually helps people to live things out. Because 
nothing's worse than philosophizing about something and then not doing anything about it. In fact, that just leads, that becomes a distraction, yes? If our, if our actual lives don't change because of the word of God, then, then we're not focusing on the right things. So we're going to talk about a few ways. How, how do we grow? How do we go from distraction to focus? How do we in some ways, how do our lives in some ways mirror that of the shepherds? So we never, uh, in the Bible, we never again hear from the shepherds. We don't know what happened to their lives. But I'm just going to throw this out there. Have you ever like shepherding and a host of angels came, sang to you, and then you went and saw a baby that was born from a virgin I'm just going to surmise that your life might be changed. That you might actually think differently about the way the world works and the way that God works. So how do we have enough focus in our lives that we've positioned ourselves like the shepherds so that we can hear? First thing I think, and if on your seats uh, all around you and every other seat now, if you, in the bottom... Rose, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are not sitting every other person, so you're going to have to fight somebody for this paper, which really is going to be a distraction. But anyways, it'll be a good object lesson. I, I want you to pull these out just in front of you. I think one of the ways that we can address our distraction is by addressing our stress. Oftentimes when I am distracted... I am distracted because I have, not, um, I have not actually addressed what's actually happening in my heart. So I'm stressed by something, but I don't actually want to admit, I don't want to admit what I'm stressed by. <laughs> so then I get stressed by weird things, like I haven't gotten all my wrapping done yet. I really need to get over there to the dollar store and get some extra boxes. This is, your, this is a PSA, by the way. All those little boxes at the dollar store for $2 will be sold out in the next two weeks. This is a distraction for you right now as I talk about it. But these distractions that I have are often... It's often because I'm running from things that really stress me out. And when we do not address these stresses to the Lord, we actually don't have the ability to release them to God. If you just act like, oh, I got everything's working out for me, I'm, I'm good. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, in this chapter 6, verse 7, says that we're to cast all our anxiety on him. All of it. All of it. Some of you are here and you have financial stress. And, and you feel like, listen, some of the stress that we have is, it's self-induced. Like we did it to ourselves. So we think to ourselves, I did this to myself, so I have to carry it myself. I made a poor decision, therefore, it's kind of my fault, so I better... Some of us, we don't want to admit the stress that we're under. We're stressed about our children. But like somehow if we admit it, that would be admitting that we made mistakes. If we're going to stay focused on Jesus and him coming to us and us waiting and 
I, if we're going to have God transform us this Advent season, we have got to get really real about the stress we're underneath. This is difficult, though, when often we've lied to ourselves about the stress we're under. Like, sometimes we, we tell ourselves, well, it's not that bad. Things are not that bad. They're pretty good. And then we say that for long enough that we begin to believe our own. Some of us, this is how we end up with, do you ever, have you ever met somebody whose life went from good, 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 blowed up, blew up? That's how it happens when we don't actually address some of the stresses we have. Okay, so this little paper is here for you. I know for some of you it will be difficult to write these things down. If you have a practice of journal writing, what's kind of funny is that sometimes, some of us don't want to journal write for this exact reason because you go back and read it and think, oh, the cringe factor is so high. I'm so embarrassed by my... It's important, though, the way that we grow is getting honest before God. This Advent season, we must get honest before the Lord. And then we get honest, and we don't just leave it there. You don't write down here the three things and they don't have to be, I know it says Christmas stressors, but they don't have to be about Christmas. Like, I don't have the right nativity scene. My tree is ugly. I mean, that might be a top stressor for you. I don't know. But we don't just leave it there. We don't just write the stressors down and think, woe is me. I probably have the worst stressors. We, we write those stressors down, and then what I would encourage you to do is pray um, a prayer like this, Lord, I give you this area of stress in my life. I acknowledge that nothing I am dealing with is too difficult for you. I ask you to intervene on my behalf. Listen, God doesn't intervene because you got all your ducks in a row and went through Dave Ramsey's course. So some of us, listen, you haven't prayed for intervention because it's your fault. And this is why we serve the God that we serve, because he knows you're a giant mess. This Advent season, we say, God, would you intervene on my behalf? May the worries of this world not overwhelm me, but may I keep my focus on you this Advent season. I, I'm serious, people. We, we got to get serious about asking God to help us be focused. The word of God says that we are, we are to be a, royal, a holy people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The only way we're going to be different is if we're actually different. So if we're distracted like everybody else in the world, nobody, there's nobody that's going to say there's anything different about you. You're just a person who gets up early on Sunday morning and wears name tags that stick to your hair. I had to take mine off. We have got to pray, God, would you make me focused in this season? I want to be focused on the things of you because I want to grow in the things of you. I want to be transformed to be more like you, Jesus. Okay, so we're going to address our stress. And, and then we're going to let go of rigid expectations. So all of Israel had this very rigid expectation of what the Messiah coming would look like. It was going to be one way. The Messiah was going to come like a, like a glorious king and he was going to overthrow Rome and everything was going to be fine. But I, I want you to pray, God, would you help me to see solutions your way, man? Not just get stuck in one way of thinking. Some of us have become so rigid in our way of thinking that we cannot see the trees for the forest. 
We can't see that God would move in a different way, that he would move. And the Bible is very clear. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. Some of us are serving a God that looks a lot like us. Because we can only see it one way. Listen, most of Israel met, left, uh, missed Christmas, the very first Christmas, because they had rigid expectations. The third thing is this, deal, deal with your underlying pain. Deal with your underlying pain. So I, wa- I wonder, sometimes, if the characters that we see in the Advent story didn't, didn't want a king like Jesus because he identified with their pain. He identified with their poverty. I mean, he was born in a, in a cave. It wasn't probably a stable, just, just a historical fact. It's probably a cave, which seems worse to me. To be born in a cave or a, st- a stable seems warm. A cave just feels cold. But anyways, um, oftentimes, though, our pain will not allow us to allow Jesus in. The people of the first Advent story were, were dealing with pain, if you, you know, as we grow in our, um, as different nations come, some of you have been under uh, occupation. You've lived in countries where you were under occupation. Some of us came to Canada as refugees. And um, nobody, I've never met anybody who came under occupation and said, you know what, occupation was amazing. I loved it. The people living in the first century were under tremendous pressure and pain. But if you don't deal with your pain, your pain will consume you. And you will miss what God wants to do in your life. You might not be living under occupation, but you you might have other pain that you have to deal with. Don't let the trauma that life has, has foisted upon you, don't let it define who you are and who you'll become in Jesus. Because when we're dealing with pain, you know, um, I have four kids, so clearly we've dealt with broken arms and broken. When I get my kids into um, an ER situation, you've got a broken limb. Do you know what you do at that point in time? You become iPad mom. I am not generally iPad mom in that point in time. I am supreme. Would you like to look up the iPad? I'll download any game for you. Oh, it's $4.99? Sure, let's download that game. Oh, $7.99 plus $12 in, I don't know, tokens. Yes, we're going to do that. Because when, when someone is in pain, what you try to do is what? Distract them. Some of us, though, are in pain, and we've been distracting ourselves for decades. We've been downloading all kinds of weird stuff trying to distract ourselves from the pain we're in. That, that, that distraction, though, only goes so far. I would go so far as to say this, that if you're, if you're dealing with distraction, what you may want to do is look under the covers and see what pain you're dealing with. And I would say as a society, as a whole, 
We're distracting ourselves because we're not allowing God to deal with the pain in our lives. Because the thing is, you're not up to, none of us are up to the challenge of dealing with our own pain. So, some of us try. So, like, you try to pretend that you're like a master doctor. Listen, we got lots of doctors that come here, and I always ask them this question. Do you treat yourself? Like, when you're in pain, do you, like, you broke your arm? Do you, like... And they all laugh at me, like this is some crazy question I'm asking them. It's like, if I've asked it to you before, I'm sorry, I apologize. No, no doctor, no nurse, you're not treating yourself. That's weird, and I think it's also illegal. I don't, I don't actually know if it's illegal, but it's weird. You have a cold, you're going where? To a doctor. Listen, some of you have been trying to self-treat yourself, like you're some doctor, and I got a newsflash for you. A, you're not a doctor. And B, God is the only one that can treat you. He is the only one that can come to you. You put a splint on, you made it worse than it was. We, we have to say, God, I'm here. I, I need you to deal with my pain. I need you to deal with my pain because I am so tired of being distracted. I am so tired of playing iPad games that have no bearing on life. Some of us need to get a holy anger about this. I, I'm tired of being distracted, God. Finally, we're going to determine who we're going to be. Listen, if we want to get focused, we, we determine. Now, this is not about humanism, but this is about partnering with God and saying, God, I'm going to be the kind of person that is focused on the things of you. I'm going to be the kind of person that gets up every day and say, this December, so like, it's a pastor, it's easy to get up and say, you know what, we're going to be focused for the rest of our lives, starting now. And if technology keeps going the way that it's going, maybe you've got 120 more years. See how I said that? You, now you're all doing the math. How old am I going to be when I die? Okay, the thing is, it, uh, let's, let's not, sometimes that seems too big. Like for the rest of my life, how about let's just try over the Advent season? Let's just say, God, would you help us to be focused over this Advent season? Would you help me not to lose sight of you? Would you help me not to lose sight of your kingdom? Would you help me to focus on the things of you for these next 20 days? 21. I didn't plan this, but 21 days, they say, is enough to make a habit. For 21 days, we're going to ask the Lord. We're going to say, God, I, I'm, dis I'm making a decision now to stay focused on the things of you. Okay. So there's a little bit of a QR code I think we're going to show here. Maybe, maybe not. Yep, okay. Um, we have a little bit of an advent calendar. You can, you can fix this up. There's no scriptures on this advent calendar. That's not because I don't expect you to be in the scripture. Here's a really great way. Start in the book of Luke. Read a chapter every day and you'll read through the life of Jesus. But this little advent calendar is just going to help you to stay focused, to remember my job is to keep my focus on Jesus. And part of the way that we keep our focus on Jesus is by walking with him, by not making our life all about us, by serving people, by singing songs to him. And this little advent calendar might be just like a good little reminder how you can focus. I want to pray for us today. I believe that God is here. I know that he is here. I know that he is here. His presence is here. His power is here. He wants to help us. Some of you have come in and you, you actually came to church today feeling very distracted. Hmm. I think God just wants to realign your focus. 
right here, right now. Can we just bow our heads just for a moment? I want you just to think back um, over that text we read about the shepherds. Imagine how the heavenly host would have arrested, would have arrested the minds of those shepherds. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been thinking about like anything except for this announcement. If you're here and you're saying, Jess, like I need, I need that kind of focus. I want that kind of focus. I've been, I've maybe, maybe you've been unfocused or maybe you're just wanting to be really focused over this Advent season. I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand to heaven. You're just saying, yes, Jesus, I want that focus. Yep, all over the place. Yep, 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 yep. So God, we're asking in this place that you would help us to remain focused on you. In a world that's full of distraction, God, we, we, we ask that you would give us the focus of the Lord. Help us to focus on you. Help us not to miss out this Christmas season. But God, we ask that you would, you would be our focus. You would be our focus. And God, uh, we pray I pray today, God, that you would give us courage to deal with our Thank stress. You. Come up. Seniors, come up. See, in this place, let the Lord speak to you. What are the stresses that you're dealing with? Would you say, God, I just release that to you. I release that stress to you. Some of you are dealing with pain. And would you say, God, would you come and be my great physician? Would you come and bring me healing? Jesus, we determine today, we, we make the decision to say yes to you. Some of you are here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus before. We want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I, I was talking to somebody this morning that said, I, I just made a decision for Jesus two weeks ago, best decision I've ever made. I want to tell you that there are many people, hundreds of people in this room that have made that same decision to say yes to Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. Great news about Jesus is that he doesn't, he only asks that we would give him our brokenness. We would say, Jesus, here I am broken and mixed up, but I, I'm, I want to say yes to you. I want to walk with you. And if you're here and you've never done that, I want to encourage you just in this moment to say yes. Jesus, would you come in? And when we ask him to do that, he is faithful. He comes in and changes our lives. And the Bible says that we become a new creation. So God, I pray for every person here today that has not yet made that decision. I pray that you'd give us courage to say yes to you. Thank you that you're transforming us from the inside out, God. We love you with all of our heart. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.